first question. Tell me one thing you do to create the best year ever. I block days where I have absolutely nothing on my calendar, but creative time writing and doing things that fill me up. Rob, I absolutely love it because that's something where you're giving yourself the space to do the things that put you in flow and set your soul on fire. And welcome to Best Year Ever, a podcast designed to inspire growth and impact so you can create your best year ever. And I'm your host, Rob Cressy, and joining me is Rob Gilbert, founder at Growth Habit. Rob, great to have you on the show. Awesome to have you on the show. Really great to have this opportunity to go into a deeper dive after we connected a few weeks ago. Yeah, so a quick background. You and I, one month ago, did not know each other. We connected on LinkedIn, and you slid into my DMs, and you sent me a message that was more heartfelt and specific than most. So you talked about how you enjoyed my energy, and there was really no call to action for it. You weren't saying, download my white paper, or, hey, here's a demo of everything. It was just, hey, I enjoyed your energy, and then probably something else after that. And I was like, you know what? That's a specific thing to say that you notice someone's energy, because I don't believe that most people, that would actually work because most people don't have an energy where that's their thing. For me, I'm a very energy-oriented person. So boom, I recognized that. And I was like, hey, let's just jump on a quick call because clearly uh, you're someone that I would at least like to explore what's going on in each other's worlds. And that's what it was. We jumped on a call that said, hey, I want to hear what's going on in your world. You can, I'll let you know what's cooking in mine and we'll see what goes from there. We had a great call and there was two things that overlapped between you and I, and that was personal development and content creation. So what we're going to be jamming about is both of those things uh, today. And I'm curious to hear from your perspective, what was the way that you saw this? This conversation? Well, that exactly, because I think there's the, I said energy to you. The other piece that landed is I said that I'm really on LinkedIn for relationships. I'm on there for the connections. And it makes the nine day difference. Like you're cracking jokes about, you know, I didn't have, here's my white paper, download my thing, book a call, because we're all inundated with those kinds of requests where people coming in and making a withdrawal from a non-existent bank account right away. And taking that approach on the platform and in my business has meant that I've met incredible people. I have people all around the world now, people that I'm friends with on WhatsApp, we chat. I get to collaborate with incredible people like yourself. Like that wouldn't have happened without me having that approach. And then sometimes it means that I find people I end up working with. And sometimes actually ends up, someone ends up being all three. It's someone who I'm a friend with, we collaborate on something and we work together and the order sometimes changes. And it's just taking that approach makes it a lot more enjoyable. I think people forget, people get caught up thinking, oh, it's on my phone, it's on my laptop, it's this digital place, it's not a real community. It is a community. On behind every profile picture, every name, every account, like there's a person, there's a human, there's someone who, you know, has good days, has bad days, has had a bad relationship, who is maybe a parent, who has doubt, who like, so there's real people and taking that approach allows me to have these kinds of awesome opportunities with you. And yeah, the idea of jamming about content and personal development are things that I love and am passionate about. So I'm excited for it. And it's super relevant because on Thursday, August 19th at 12 p.m. Eastern, I'm hosting my second prolific creator workshop, which is a two-hour live experience where we're in conversation to help people grow themselves as creators. And what the topic of conversation is going to be centered around is 
creating relationships. And I think this is a perfect example of it because boom, you hit me up, we jump on the call. And then the next step is, man, Rob, you and I, we vibe together. Let's jump on a podcast together so that we can share that energy and love in our heart with others. And that's really one of the things that I'll be jamming about. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to it or go to robcressy.com to sign up. But Rob, the first thing that I want to talk about is something that you mentioned um, evolved for you in your maturation, and that is a ha- being a habit strategist. And I love the way that you framed that because I'm someone that is very habits, routines, mindset, personal development oriented. And one of the biggest game changers for me is the way that I stack habits and create boot sequences and morning routines to allow me to become the best version of myself every single day. And I'm curious to hear from you at the beginning, how did you become a habit strategist and what was the origin? Because I feel like that's what can help people the most in terms of how we can also help them become their own habit strategist. Oh, I love it. So I have, I'm on my third career and my first career was being a music producer, DJ, record label owner. Then I was in HR leading people teams and being a people and culture leader in tech companies. And I've started some things, succeeded in some places, failed in others, but I always struggled with consistency. If we would have spoke a few years ago, I would have said, you know, consistency is something I struggled with. I struggled with consistent confidence, consistent delivery, consistent, like I'd have good periods and bad periods. And then the how I like I'd read a bunch of the habit books, The Power of Habit. I read other stuff, but the James Clear's Atomic Habit, I took that on a vacation trip with me. I devoured it in a matter of days and I started changing my approach to habits, but I created external accountability. I started posting a lot about it on Instagram. I was posting my stories. I created this external tracker on my wall where I had check marks that I was checking every day for, I love that you said boot sequence. Yeah, my partner calls my morning routine my boot up sequence. And I was sharing this and people were into it and following it and it created this accountability. And before I knew it, I had more energy, more confidence. I was getting more ideas. I felt I was in flow more regularly. And that allowed me to two things. One, it created an opportunity for people started asking me about habits. And I knew I wanted to be a coach and I was struggled with having the guts to think I could actually do it. Who am I to be another self-help person? The world doesn't need one. All this self-limiting thoughts I had. But people started asking me saying, hey, can you teach me to do this? I would love to learn about this. And that led to me calling myself a habit strategist. But the other thing is it gave me the confidence and ability to quit a high paying job. I had a six figure job. I was in a director level role. I had the golden handcuffs. There was no, you know, there's a mortgage, there's kids, there's all these great excuses not to leave. But creating that routine and getting very habits centric or habits first, as I call it, makes all the difference. Like today's a great, great example. I slept like crap last night. My energy was really low this morning. So I ensured that I fully did my complete boot up sequence. I did my meditation, my cold shower, my journaling. And I feel awesome right now. I'm having an incredible morning. And it doesn't matter that I slept poorly last night because habits first. And Rob, I want to know about 
uh, the moment or the process for you to leave that job because it's something, it's one of the questions I get asked the most in terms of like, Rob, what was it like when you left your digital ad sales job where you were making great money to do your own thing and be an entrepreneur full time? And, and was it hard and what was it like? And, and for me, I wish I could give people the answer that they want me to answer. But for me, it was the easiest thing in the world because I didn't want to live my life with regret, wondering if I had only dot, dot, dot. I knew for myself that I'd regret it for the rest of my life if I didn't make it a shot at or give it a shot at making my dreams happen. So it was actually a very easy thing. Like I was so excited. Like I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm curious to hear from your perspective. uh, What was that like? Because I think it's something that's in a lot of people's minds. That's so true. Cause a lot of people are looking at it and they feeling the comfort and they feel that they're meant for something else or they want that autonomy or they want more time with their family or they want to do something with deeper purpose or meaning. Yeah. I can relate to that. Cause for me, it was, I didn't want to help someone else build their dream. And I'd been through good jobs and bad jobs. I've been an entrepreneur on and off since I was a teenager. You know, the first business I launched when I was 19 was a record label. I used to co-own a bath and body product company. I've owned businesses in different industries. So I've been an entrepreneur on and off. But this time around, it's I, like I worked at a company that had purpose. It was a tech company that built technology to track and predict the spread of infectious disease. The, the culture was good. I had the full trust of the CEO. I was being paid well. And something was still missing. So for me, it was like, I've got all these things. I'm checking all these boxes as other people would die for that a younger version of me thought that this would be incredible. This would be the ultimate. And something is still missing. Anytime I took time away from my inbox, anytime I went on vacation, anytime I took any kind of quiet reflection time, the gnawing feeling that I should be doing something else that I am meant for more wouldn't go away. So it was, it was an inevitability for me. And I think the biggest difference with why I managed to succeed this time is I wasn't meek about it. I owned it. I really owned it. I had a post-it note that said, quit my job by December 10th. It was an arbitrary date. I chose the date in the summer. It was far enough away that I felt like I could do it, but it was still a commitment. And the date, that's my birthday. So it was just a date. I'm like, okay, that's you know almost six months from now. I think I can do it. But then I started taking steps towards that. I started taking deliberate action towards making that real. And then when I quit my job, I told the leaders, I said, hey, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave uh, in January. It's going to give you enough time to back to my role. I'm in a leadership position. I know that's really important. And then I announced it on LinkedIn. I was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm doing this. These are the people I'm meant to serve. That video went viral and it got over 20,000 views. And I was inundated with requests with people who want to work with me. People are curious. And I had so many clients that I had to quit my job a month earlier than originally planned. So when I ended up leaving earlier than planned, my quit date ended up being January, sorry, December 6th. So four days before the date that I originally wrote on the sticky note. So Rob, there's some things that you said that I want to dive even deeper on because I love listening to the language of things. And you said checking boxes that other people would die for. And I believe this is such an important key, both with what you're talking about, as well as creating your best year ever. 
because what is the lens that we're all seeing and experiencing the world in? Is it a keeping up with the Joneses, the things that I should be doing, or are we our own due north? And what I hear in your story and the same with mine is that uh, it was all around ourselves that what the rest of the world would say um, doesn't really matter to us because one thing early on when I left my job, my mom would say, Rob, you were making such good money. Do you ever want to go, like, do you want to go back to that? And of course she's being loving and protecting and wants the best for me. And every single time I'm like, no, that's done. No, that's done. And this would go on for years. So for anyone else who's ever experienced something like this, um, people aren't going to stop asking you if you're going back to the other life. And for me, it is such a binary thing. It's a one or a zero. Like there's, there's no chance I'm going back. And I had a podcast with a guy who helped open my eyes to the term of burning the boats. He's like, when back in the day with the, um, when a country was trying to take over another country that was on an island, they would burn the boats and say, we're either winning this war or we're dying. And that's the same mindset you need to have around entrepreneurship. And what are your feelings around um, doing this for yourself? Because I think it's actually probably one of the biggest challenges for people is it's new, it's uncertain, there's fear and you're, you're going from comfort to I'm meant to do something, but those are two completely different mindsets, ways of living and experiences. I love that so much because the danger with the well-meaning friends and family members and people that say that stuff to you is that they have a completely different perspective. They're projecting their fears, their insecurities, their worries on you. So you can't take that at face value, no matter how well-meaning your mom, your aunt, your sister, your whoever their friend is, because they have their own baggage. And the other piece, especially with someone from a previous generation, like you know, whether it's your, your mom or my grandmother or my aunt or whoever, they might as well have grown up in a different world. Things have changed so much and things have changed so fast that a few decades ago, you worked somewhere, you worked somewhere for 15, 20, 25 years. It wasn't often that people changed jobs or a lot less frequently, but you're also guaranteed a pension. You're also able to, on that salary, to be able to put your kids through college and be able to buy a house. Those things are gone. The guaranteed pensions are gone. The security is gone. So they lived, might, they might as well have lived in a different planet. So it's important to, to, you know, they mean well, but they're projecting their stuff in, on you. And you said earlier, keeping up with the Joneses, it makes me think of that quote, buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. And just being clear on what it is you want to do, why you want to be doing it, and like what your what your version, your, your definition of success is. Almost any time I say success, I almost do air quotes because knowing that it is completely different. For someone else, success is making a million dollars a year. For someone else, success is being able to work only two days a week while having time for their family and friends. Someone else, success means being able to travel and being able to make enough money that they feel they can comfortably travel. Like, What are the things that are truly important to you and they might not be, and they probably don't have to be the spoon fed stereotypical stuff, the stories that you've seen in every movie, every book that the media has been pushing down us for so long that we know that's, we have to aspire for this version of, of success. You define it on your own terms and it might mean making a little less money, but doing work that you love, feeling you're making a control over your calendar. 
for me personally, that is worth taking a pay cut. Absolutely. It's not something I've had to do. I've been lucky. I've done well in my business. I'm, I'm making also great money. But initially, I want to ask myself that question. It was definitely, I would be willing to take a pay cut if it meant I was doing things that filled me up, that felt like I was making a difference. And I had control over my calendar. And it was a really easy equation when I shift the framing around it. And with that in mind, I want to dig deeper into you defining it on your own terms. And this will sort of blend to the external accountability. And in my journey, I've been forward thinking enough to know what's the most important thing for me is my happiness. It's why I've got a giant picture in my house that says happiness is not a destination. It's a way of life. For me, it's a lifestyle and it's a way of being. But I'm also extremely aware of the fact that even though you can go from six figures to zero and now you start building things back up, I'm also building a rocket ship. So by no means does it say that just because we decide to leave a more comfortable life that we still don't want to aspire for even greater things. Because when you have the ability to take it all on with yourself, well, now I've got a big vision. I'm going to keep dreaming and when you dream the way that we do, our dreams only get bigger. And there's a quote that I love from Ed Milet that says, the bigger the dreams, the deeper the foundation. So as it relates to us creating the habits that serve us, you said, hey, you want to define this on your own terms. I believe this is one of, if not the number one things that most people miss is that they live by default, not by design. They're not sitting there saying, all right, what are the habits that I can create on a daily basis that will help me be the best version of myself every day and or the happiest version of myself? So on my end, aside from reading the same books that you were there, I said, all right, who can help me with this stuff? And one of the biggest inspirations in my life was Jesse Itzler. And he has his build your life resume community and the 30 days of excellence and the big ass calendar club. And he has the simplest concept in the world. It's called daily vitamins. He said, here's what I want you to do. Write down 10 things in a given day. That is your perfect day that you have nothing on your calendar. You can do whatever you want. What would those 10 things be? And I want you to do that for a day. And now moving forward, and you're going to track this in a little checkbox in front of you, just write down a little circle when you do any of those things. And to give an example of what those are, and I'm going to have to look here because I can see it on my wall. So my daily vitamins are workout, meditate, reach out to three people a day, visualize, do morning pages, a.k.a. journaling, create my being, which is self-cultivation in my boot sequence, write down an idea, play basketball, and stretch. So for me, in the perfect day, those are the habits that I want. And a crazy thing happens. The more often I do these things, the more often I have good days or great days. You have great days, you have great weeks, you have great months, you have a great year, and that is how I design myself to be the best year ever, and I'm curious to hear that from you. Oh, man, and you're giving me goosebumps. I love it so much because the fallacy that people fall into is I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I get that person, that boyfriend, girlfriend. I'll be happy when I get that house. I'll be happy when I get that car. Like, it's just 
chasing external validation, external goals, and holding off on being happy until something is met versus what you're talking about is getting clear. Like we were saying, what does it mean for you? What does success mean for you? What does that look like? And then design your days accordingly. If you want to feel fulfilled, if you want to feel connected with your family, if you want to feel creative, if you want to feel good in your body, if you want, then do those things, right? Like it just reach out to three people a day, do stretches, play basketball. If you do those things on a regular basis, you can feel that way because any of those external things that I listed earlier and yours might be different. It might be about making a whole bunch of money or getting to be in the Riviera in Europe or whatever it is. It's That's not what you want. What you want is how you think that will make you feel. So once you figure that out, then what are the things that you can do on a daily basis? And I love this term, your daily vitamins, so that you can feel that way on a daily basis. Because then guess what? If you were doing those things on a daily basis, then more days than not, you're feeling that way. And if more days than not, you're feeling that way, that means more weeks than not and more months than not. And before you know it, you've had an amazing year because it's this idea that work hard for some job. And then when you retire, maybe you're going to get to travel or spend more time with the kids or like what, when your knees are hurting, when your back hurts, when you're old, like why wait, why wait? You can feel that stuff now. You can do it now. And I don't believe in the concept of waiting at all because that just, we have no idea what the future holds. So I'm someone who likes to live in the present. And for me, that is like the DNA of best year ever because you just create the best moment ever. So what I want to talk about now, Rob, is feeling creative because for me, my dream was always to work in sports and be creative. And it has certainly evolved from then, but even this podcast right here with you, I am in flow. I'm talking with someone amazing. We're vibing. We're sharing information that is going to help people. Plus, it allows me to market my services and the things that I have going on in a very organic nature. And it's literally, this is the epitome of everything that I'm working towards. And everyone can have this. So I want to dive deeper into feeling creative or the habits and the routines of people who are creative, who create content or are storytellers or like to paint or do any of these different things. And for me, the simplest way that I would put it is finding ways to get into flow because so often when we feel creative, we lose track of time because we're loving what we do. So with this podcast, I'm going to look up and there'll be somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes of just gone. Boom. I'm not sitting there like I'm at the DMV waiting to get my license renewed. So then you start to say, all right, well, if I know I'm the best and I feel the best when I'm in flow, what can I do to design flow? And so often getting into it is the challenge for most people. So the simple tip that I have is I set a timer on my phone for 30 minutes and I hit start and boom, that's the start of my flow time. And you remove all distractions and you just do the one thing that you want to do. Because I think so many people run into an issue with there's so many things vying for our attention, email, social media, the news, TV, coworkers, everything else that because this attention is always being thrown at us, we don't have any time 
to be in flow, but I don't believe in that. Throw that, I don't have time in the trash. Instead, you've got to create and design it. So for me, one of my habits is nice and simple. Set the timer for 30 minutes, boom, I'm in flow, and the next thing you know, that timer goes off. I'm like, let's run this thing back. And my goal in a given day, the way that I actually measure my productivity is how many 30-minute flow sessions I get in a given day. It doesn't mean that uh, if I don't, get these flow sessions. I didn't have a good day, but when I do do them, if I look and there's like six flow sessions, I'm like, whoo, it was an amazing day. So I'm curious to hear this from your perspective. I love it. I love that you use it in using the Pomodoro method in half hour chunks and that you're tracking your creative time because his name is escaping right now. The awesome author of the book from good to great Pardon me for not remembering his name. He tracks his creative time. He has a tracker where every day he's, what percentage of my time was spent on creative things where I was in flow because of how important it is. And absolutely about the distractions because the best things I have done is one, completely remove all notifications from my cell phone home screen other than text messages. That's funny. One came up literally as I held my phone. Text messages because that could be my partner and my kids. Uh, Having time where if I'm on my laptop where I have a block a blocker up and it's blocking all things and all distractions. You mentioned morning pages earlier, just having a, a way that every day that you're dumping the stuff in your head, right? The morning pages practice is you're sitting down and you just get things out from here so that you can clear it and clean the slate. And then meditation time, quiet time, call it what you want. You might call it prayer. You might, you might, for you, it might be when you're running for you. It might be taking a, a reflective time thinking in the shower. That's why there's a, a subreddit called shower thoughts. That's why shower thoughts is thing. Cause that is a moment where there's no distractions. There's no digital things. It's just you and your thoughts literally alone, naked. So finding time to create the, the space to create it. And I love that you're scheduling it. But those are the biggest things for me. I'm journaling almost every day. I'm meditating almost every day. And I'm clearing things off of the mind so that I can make space, so that other things can bubble up, so that I can get into creative flow. But Rob, you don't understand. I'm not like that. I have so much going on in my life. My mind doesn't stop. I can't sit there and be quiet. And it's one of the things that I hear the most and actually the most from high achievers, CEOs, leaders of companies, managers who just say, you know what? This isn't for me. And so often what I find when someone says this isn't for me I would want to dive deeper into, all right, well, what sort of effort did you give in seeing if this was for you? Did you try it once for five minutes while you also had the news on and you're like, this isn't for me? Instead, here's my recommendation on how I experiment with anything. So I very much come from the tree of Tim Ferriss originally started with the four hour work week, then his podcast and all of his books, tools of Titans and all of those. So I learned about experimenting on yourself, even if I'm not as out there as Tim is on some of the things. Then I joined Jesse's community and Jesse Itzler's community, and they're experimenting on things all the time. And then I did Andy Frisella's 75 Hard Mental Toughness program and the entire Live Hard program. And through all of this, I learned how to experiment with possibilities. So what I recommend for someone who might be struggling with, I can't get quiet time in my head or meditation. 
is to think about this in terms of a seven-day challenge, a 14-day challenge, or a 21-day challenge. You can, you can choose which one serves you, but what you do is you commit to that amount of days. So let's say just seven days, and once a day for five minutes, you say, all right, I'm going to download the free version of Headspace, and I'm just going to give myself the opportunity for seven days every single day I'm just going to try this out and see what happens because most people don't bring the commitment to it or the possibility. They create this preconceived notion that this isn't for me. My mind doesn't quiet down without realizing, well, I tried this for seven days. Here's the things that I liked. Here's the things that I didn't like. If you liked anything, keep it and implement it. If you didn't like it, no harm, no foul. Throw that to the side. But maybe that gives you the opportunity to say, well, maybe sitting there and meditating via headspace didn't work for me. But what if when I'm running, I don't bring my headphones. So instead, now I've got quiet time in my mind. And then you're like, all right, well, maybe for 14 days, I will run without my headphones. And I'm going to use that as an opportunity to practice mindfulness. So to sort of put a button on all of this, if you want to try and create more positive habits for yourself, give yourselves a timeline, 7, 10, 14, 21 days, commit to it because that commitment is what's going to allow you to learn and see what you like or don't like. Oh, it's such a big difference. The, the idea of I try it once and it didn't work, especially when it's a successful person like you're mentioning in it. For me, the reframe is, well, what if you tried that with your business? What if the first time you reached out to a client and they, they got a rejection, would you just stop there? No, you would try different things. You would iterate. And if you commit, I love it, a seven-day, a 14-day, 21-day, then it's going to force you to try it at different intervals and try it at different days, and you're going to learn what does and what doesn't work for you. And yeah, it can be running. It can be on your bike. I know someone, it's knitting. They get quiet time. They get their meditative time when they're knitting. So it doesn't have to be, you know, you sitting in some kind of yoga stance and thinking you've got a chant like it doesn't have to be that that might be for you it could be i don't know but there's just knowing that there's different ways for you to do it and the the commitment piece is hard and i love hearing you talk about these communities you've been a part of because clearly once you're in a community there's a reason why that saying is so uh famous you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with because they create an accountability with you but also it normalizes the behavior that you want to create and especially if it's an experimentation approach, then yeah, you try, you experiment, you fiddle, right? The, the thing that people say the most is walking. Imagine if, or biking, you're a kid and you bike. The first time you fell off, you scraped your knees. Did you give up or did you try something new? Did you give it another go? Did you commit that you're going to get back on the bike and try until you figured it out? And it is a commitment mindset. And go ahead and say it's not for you and brush it off. Cool. You're missing out on the most impactful, most creative, most profound, like feeling at peace. You want to get rid of anxiety. You want to have better ideas. You want to feel more gratitude. Like it unlocks so much stuff once you find the way that works for you to get in flow, to have quiet time. And the last thing I want to say regarding this is this is something that is meant to serve you. So there is no judgment coming from either of us. If mm -hmm. someone listens or watches this, and says, I'm not taking any action because it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. This is all around ourselves and creating our own being in the self-cultivation of habits. You are your own habit strategist. All Rob and Rob are trying to do is say, 
Here are some possibilities or ways of thinking and being that you can consider for yourself that we've done. We very much experiment with things. We try things. We read things. We learn from people. We're part of communities of people that are doing the things that we want to do. And I don't do everything from everyone. So you're not going to see me currently doing a one-week fast or a vegan diet or some of these other things. But I just finished doing fruit till noon for 10 days where I only ate fruit until 12 p.m. and I had no coffee. So we all get to choose how we're going to design our lives. So Mm -hmm. please don't feel any judgment in this. And instead, I want you to feel inspiration of the possibilities where you say, all right, well, maybe there is something here. And maybe that just piques your curiosity to say, all right, well, what would my best day look like? What are some things that I would want to do? What are some of those habits? Who are the people that I aspire to do things like that I might be able to learn from? And from there, you reverse engineer it, test it, implement it, and then you rinse and repeat for success. That sounds like a really great approach. I love that you clarified that. Yeah, because it's coming from a place of zero judgment for me, and I know it is for you too. And it's just how can you make it work for you and how can you experiment with things that will serve you? It's not a, it's no, there's no preaching here. Rob, really enjoyed this conversation. Where can everybody connect with you? So uh, on LinkedIn is the community that I'm most active in. I'm also on Instagram. Of course, if you go to Google, Rob is with two Bs, R-O-B-B-G-I-L-B-E-A-R. Also starting to show up a lot more on YouTube and have been publishing weekly on YouTube as well. And on my end, you can hit me up on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy, certainly active on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And I'm curious to hear from you about this episode. What do you think about yourself when it comes to being a habit strategist? Can you share any of the habits that you've recently implemented or ones that have certainly served you? Make sure to tag both myself and Rob as we would love to be able to be in conversation with you. And if anything we said resonated with you, I would also love to be in conversation because personal growth and brand building and mindset and habits and routines is what I love helping people with. Head to robcresty.com, check out what we got going on there. Uh, There's a form on there where you can sign up and jump on a jam session with me.